Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Sun Also Rises here on KPCG-FM. Today marks the 10th episode of the show, 10 consecutive weeks now, and we're just very grateful to uh, the new listeners finding the show each week and to all of you loyal listeners who have been tuning in since the first few episodes there. We also really appreciate those of you who have taken the time to send in comments and feedback and those who have followed The Sun Also Rises on SoundCloud and the others who have subscribed on iTunes and left reviews and ratings there. That has all been really encouraging to see, and it really makes a difference in helping other people to find and listen to the podcast, especially if your comments are left in publicly accessible places like iTunes or SoundCloud. Well, toward the end of today's episode, we'll finally read a few of those letters and comments that have come in, so please stick around for that. And a little later in the show, we also have a brand new segment to introduce that features a special guest. I hope this ends up being the first of many episodes that will feature kind of a variation on this new segment. So uh, please stick around for that as well, coming up just after the main story of today's show, which begins right now. This story is one that is really inspiring and humbling, I think. It's a story of rare heroism and self-sacrifice. It's a story in which a few individuals voluntarily laid down their lives so that hundreds of thousands or even millions of other people could live. We're calling today's episode Three Coffins Made of Lead. This account begins on May 1st, 1986, in Ukraine. May 1st of that year was just five days after the massive nuclear disaster had happened in Chernobyl, which is a city in northern Ukraine. That disaster was the result of an explosion and fire at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. One of the four nuclear reactors at the site had melted down and the resulting disaster was no small thing. It was actually the worst nuclear power plant accident in history in terms of both the cost and the casualties. It immediately killed dozens of people and hundreds more in the aftermath, and it scarred the lives of tens of thousands of others. Experts say that the long-term death count from all the radiation poisoning is uh, still growing even to this day, 30 years after the catastrophe happened. The explosion released 400 times more radiation than the atomic bomb that had been dropped on Hiroshima, Japan, back in 1945 released. So Chernobyl was bad. It was beyond bad, really. It was a terrible and tragic accident on a massive scale that's still affecting many people. But there's one aspect of this Chernobyl story that you may not have heard much about, and that is that it could have been a lot worse. Experts say that if it had not been for the work of three certain men, the Chernobyl disaster 
would have been hundreds or possibly thousands of times more destructive. On May 1st, 1986, just five days after the nuclear meltdown had happened, the Soviet authorities in Chernobyl made a terrifying discovery. They saw that the core of the reactor that had exploded was still melting down. There were some 185 tons of nuclear material involved, and the nuclear reaction was still happening, and it was happening at a very alarming rate. And underneath those 185 tons of melting nuclear material, there was a huge pool of water. It was water that was used as a coolant for the whole power plant, and there were more than 5 million gallons of water in this pool. The only thing between the melting reactor core and the water was a thick concrete slab. And the melting core was slowly burning through that slab, traveling in kind of a smoldering flow of molten radioactive metal, burning through it little by little. So it was getting closer and closer to that huge pool of water. And here was the problem. If that white-hot melting reactor core touched the water, it would have triggered a thermonuclear explosion that would have made the first Chernobyl explosion look almost insignificant. The journalist Stephen McGinty has written extensively on the threat posed by this second impending explosion. He wrote, If the melting core reached the water... This would trigger a nuclear explosion that would vaporize the fuel in the three other reactors, level 200 square kilometers, destroy Kiev, contaminate the water supply used by 30 million people, and render northern Ukraine uninhabitable for more than a century. The School of Russian and Asian Studies published a detailed analysis about the threat posed by the crisis, which is even bleaker than McGinty's assessment. This report says the experts knew that if the melting core reached the water, the resulting explosion would wipe out half of Europe and make parts of Europe, Ukraine, and Russia uninhabitable for approximately 500,000 years. So the devastation would have been staggering. It would have been exponentially more destructive than that original Chernobyl explosion. And the experts on hand saw that melting core. They saw it devouring through the concrete slab, burning through it, and getting closer and closer to the water with each passing minute. And at day five, it was already halfway to the pool of water. The Soviet leaders wanted to prevent the other three reactors from exploding. So they drew up a plan. All they would have to do was get three men and suit them up in wetsuits and scuba gear and send them to go scuba diving through the flooded chambers of the Reactor 4 facility. That way they could get inside that big pool of water and find the valves at the bottom of it and twist those valves open so that they could drain all the water out. That way, all the water could be drained out before the melting reactor core devoured its way into the pool. 
So basically, they would drain the water to prevent the massive thermonuclear explosion from ever happening. It was a good plan for Ukraine and for Russia and for all the millions of Europeans who would be affected by the blast. But it was not a good plan for the three people who would have to dive into those waters. The water was highly contaminated by nuclear material. And everyone knew that whoever went in, they would probably live long enough to do the job, but after that, they most likely would not even make it to the end of the month. Well, the Soviet authorities explained everything that was at stake to a group of Chernobyl workers. And they explained the plan to dive into the water, to open up those two valves. They explained the risks of uh, what would happen to Europe and Russia and Ukraine if that explosion did take place. And these authorities also made it inescapably clear that whoever volunteered would be sacrificing their life. But three men stepped forward. They volunteered for the job, even knowing that it would be the last thing they did in this life. The TASS Russian news agency published an article on May 16, 1986, that identifies the three men as Alexei Anininko, who was a Chernobyl engineer, V. Bespalov, who was a senior engineer, and Boris Baranov, a shift supervisor. Baranov's job was to hold an underwater lamp for the two engineers so that they could find the valves that they were looking for. Well, a couple of days later, after all the plans had been finalized, the trio suited up. They put on their wetsuits and diving tanks and masks, and they entered those radioactive waters. The pool was totally dark, and the reports say that Baranov's waterproof diving light really left a lot to be desired. From the beginning, it was flickering and dim, and it would turn off unexpectedly from time to time. Well, for the first several minutes, their search was totally fruitless. They wanted to stay in the water for as short a time as possible. They knew that every minute they were in there was another minute that they were being exposed to staggering levels of radiation. But they couldn't find the valves in this massive pool, so they had to keep on searching. And they felt sure that Baranov's light would soon go totally dark. Well, the light did go out, but it went out just after its beam fell on a pipe. This pipe was a wonderful sight to the diver's eyes. They knew that the pipe led to those valves that they were looking for. So the light shined on the pipe, and then it went out for good. But the divers were able to swim in the dark to where they had seen that pipe, and then they grabbed onto it and sort of climbed along it, hand over hand, totally in the dark. And finally, it led them to those two valves. They twisted the valves open, and the water began rushing through them and out of the pool. All three men returned to the surface. They took their suits off, 
Their job was done. The pool was rapidly draining, which meant there would be no more thermonuclear explosions at Chernobyl. The officials and soldiers on site embraced these three men as heroes. Reports say that the officials and and those soldiers were literally jumping for joy when they learned that the three divers had been successful. Over the next day, all five million gallons of that radioactive water drained out of the pool. And by the time the melting core of Reactor 4 devoured its way through the concrete slab, the water was all gone. There was no explosion. And the analyses and reports done at Chernobyl in the aftermath of this dive all agree that if Anenenko, Bespalov, and Baranov had not dived in there and drained the pools, then that history-altering thermonuclear explosion, hundreds or thousands of times larger than the original one, definitely would have happened. Experts agree that this dive saved the lives of hundreds of thousands or even millions of other people. But their time in the contaminated water had taken its toll. Within a few days, it was clear that the men were all three suffering from severe radiation poisoning. After about two weeks of sickness, Eneninko and Bespalov died in a Moscow hospital. And after a little less than another week, Baranov died too. Because of the incredibly high levels of radioactivity in their bodies, the three men were buried in lead coffins, three coffins made of lead, with the lids soldered onto them so that none of that radioactivity could leak out. I think this story is a really astounding one because in the history books, we come across cases from time to time in which heroic individuals perform certain acts, even though there is maybe only a small chance that they will survive. But in this story, the three men, Eneninko, Bespalov, and Baranov, knew that there was no chance they would survive. And yet they still volunteered. They had been well informed by the engineers and experts. They understood what they were giving up. And they volunteered their lives. That is an astounding sacrifice. And it's one that saved the lives of hundreds of thousands of other people. Well, I talked a little bit about this account with a man from the Edmund community named David Brandon. He's a graduate of Herbert W. Armstrong College, which is here on the same campus grounds as the KPCG Studios. And David wears many hats. He has a wide array of hobbies and interests, and one of those is poetry. And he agreed to write up a poem for this episode about the Chernobyl divers. And here is a clip of him reading it. At Chernobyl, man strove to yoke the earth and bend the primal elements of it until they cracked with pure atomic power. And then the yoke came loose, and all was chaos. A continent lay sleeping, unaware that in the frozen north a molten stream crept ceaselessly towards apocalypse. 
let it touch water, and a poisoned cloud of steam would pour into the sky above, an upraised sigh to reap the whole of Europe. The workers, soldiers, firefighters, all knew that the plant was poised to blow again. One valve would stop it, but the way was long. No man who went into the plant would live. Three came forward from the group to volunteer. Three men to stand between a continent and certain doom. No statues would be theirs. Just six feet by four feet of permafrost. Three lead-lined coffins and their duty done. Death does not always come in fire and blood. A brave man stands and does his duty well when he's called upon to face the sword. But take away the sword and send him doom, slow creeping, with a taste of bitter iron, and pins and needles prickling at the skin. The hardiest might quail, but not that day. In Kiev and Prague, grandmothers walk the streets and see their children's children play around them because the three of Chernobyl gave all. And somewhere in a quiet Russian field, three lie at rest, their duty to mankind now done. When we come back, we'll finally read some of your letters and comments that have come in about the show. You're listening to The Sun Also Rises on KPCG. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Sun Also Rises here on KPCG-FM. And since today is the 10th episode of the show, I wanted to take a few minutes to read through a few of the comments and letters that have come in from the listeners about the show. Some of these will be a little bit out of order, but I think for the most part it'll start with the uh, earliest episodes and get to the more recent ones. As I was eating lunch today, I went to my computer to check out KPCG-FM and see what I wanted to listen to as I ate. I came across The Sun Also Rises that had aired the day before. What a pleasant surprise. I thoroughly enjoyed listening. I'd never heard of Dashrath Manji, but I hope I never forget him. I also enjoyed Your Mountain. I have never smoked, but I watched my mom and my husband stop. I was grateful I did not have the addiction because I did not feel I could have done it. Now, as I age, I'm struggling with weight. I feel it is my mountain. With God's help... I hope to overcome it. With your great program I heard today, it gives me encouragement. I look forward to your next one. So that's really, really inspiring to hear. And then here's another one. Uh, We'll just pick up one sentence from this one. It says, I don't know what I did before KPCG came into my life. Thank you very much. So that's somebody who's really latched on to all the different programs that we're broadcasting. Here's one more about the first episode. It says, Your show is super good. It helps me to do Luke 21, 28, which is to say, it helps me to lift my head up. As most news is so negative, it encourages me to keep working on the task at hand. Here's another one. I really appreciate your show, especially the premiere episode in which you discuss the perseverance demonstrated by the man who carved a road through a mountain. It definitely was encouraging and inspiring at a difficult point 
in my week at the time. Since the first episode, even my children have come to look forward to tuning in. They'd like to hear it live, but we usually listen via Overcast. At any rate, keep up the good work, and we thank you for your presentations. One more here says, Thank you to all who contribute to the show. It is certainly helping anyone who will use it rightly. These stories and music are uplifting. I tossed my cigarettes this morning. After hearing Mr. Flurry's admonition to lay siege to your biggest problem and your story this afternoon. I look forward to what will continue to come out of KPCG as time progresses. May KPCG continue to soldier on. Really inspiring to hear about people uh, committing to something as difficult as, as quitting smoking just as a result of listening to the program. So that's, that's really encouraging to hear. Here's one last one about the first episode. It says, uh, we'll just pick up one sentence at the bottom here. It says, is there any way to add a comments field on the KPCG website? I think it would be really neat to read other people's thoughts, opinions, and comments on any given radio broadcast on the site. Just an idea. I think that is a, a great idea. Maybe that's one that we can give some thought to as we continue to update our website there. And now we'll go through a few about the second episode. This one says, Thank you very much for the first two episodes of your podcast. I enjoyed them immensely. As Mr. Herbert W. Armstrong once said, We could all use a little more good cheer in our lives. I believe your program is going to be a real light in this dark world. I would like to add that I especially enjoy the sound effects and background guitar music and percussion. It reminds me of the style employed by NPR's Radio Lab. So that's encouraging to hear also. And uh, here's a, a really short one. It just says, It was excellent. It went far in being interesting and being helpful. And it was very well done. Now I want to be more giving, thanks to having heard this show. So that's really encouraging, just hearing about someone who actually wants to change as a result of hearing it. Here's one more about the second episode. It says, uh, after hearing your second episode, I had to go back and listen to the first one. Great job. I love the music and sound effects in the programs. It really brings the program to life, and they are so uplifting and encouraging. We totally love this addition to the KPCG lineup. Here's one that says, Congratulations on producing a very good show. The program on giving caused me to tear up. It's amazing how often the people with less to give give so generously. It illustrates, I think, the corrupting influence of materialism. And here's another one about the third episode. It says, Dear The Sun Also Rises, I find your program very interesting indeed. I can identify with the old man chipping away at the rock for years to build a road. The stories about giving were also an inspiration and of great interest to my Anglican wife. We also found the Greek background music on the program about Alexander the Great to be a great addition to the program. As KPCG branches out into additional series such as Live By Every Word and programs on music and literature, as David said, my cup runs over trying to keep up with all these wonderful educational programs. Thank you very much. That one was from New Zealand. 
Here's one more about the third episode on Alexander the Great. It says, I listened to The Sun Also Rises this morning about Alexander the Great, and it was super excellent. This is something I'd never heard about him, that he gave special favor to the Jews. I think it would have a powerful, positive impact on all who hear it, as it did me. Thank you for your hard work. Okay, here's one about the fourth program that was about memory. It says, Thank you for your recent program. It was very inspiring and motivating for me. I've been studying music theory and attempting to learn to sing for over three years now. It has been a slow process. It's almost like learning a new language or how to walk all over again. It's thrilling when a concept clicks, but it has been frustrating as well. There seem to be some that are born with the gift of music and others that just aren't. I'm afraid that I'm one of the latter, but your program really motivated me to keep at it after a frustrating lesson that made me want to give up the whole endeavor. Even if I don't make the strides I would like to with music right now, I am assured that my brain is soaking up the knowledge, and one day all that inf- information will be unlocked. Thank you for your inspiring show. And then we've got a few, a few short reviews here from uh, iTunes. This one just says, This was the first time I've listened to this program. Amazing information on memory. I've subscribed to this podcast now. The information was fascinating and factual. Presented very well. Another one here from iTunes says, Great topics every time. I eagerly await each new episode of this podcast, which is also available on kpcg.fm. The topics are all fresh, inspiring, and most of all, informative. Keep up the great work, and thanks. Two thumbs up, needless to say. And then one more here says, This podcast brings to you insight into many varied subjects that are both enlightening and inspiring. One may have heard some of these subjects that are covered in the past, but the perspective and facts presented are both new and fresh. Well, we really do appreciate all of the encouraging feedback that has come our way and the suggestions for various episode ideas and the other letters. And I would also like to echo all of the gratitude that many of the listeners express there, both toward those who listen to KPCG and also toward those who have made this program and KPCG in general a reality. Well, we hope that you'll keep on sending those encouraging and valuable comments our way. Just email tsar at kpcg.fm. And please subscribe to The Sun Also Rises and the other KPCG programs too on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. I'm Jeremiah Jacques, and we are coming to the end of The Sun Also Rises. You can hear us at 101.3 on the FM dial here in Edmond, Oklahoma, and the live stream is available anywhere in the world if you just type kpcg.fm into your internet browser. I would like to thank David Brandon for contributing some of his world-class poetry to the show today and to the KPCG operations manager, Dwight Falk, and the production assistant, Abraham Blondeau. And I'll leave you with some words from the very informative Friends of Chernobyl's Children website. Anoninko, Bespalov, and Baranov listened to what the engineers and scientists told them, understood the consequences, and volunteered their lives. It is an outrage that their selfless sacrifice is known by so few people. 
and that their courageous actions are not honored in cities throughout both Eastern and Western Europe. Thank you again, and please tune in again next Thursday for another episode of The Sun Also Rises.